Bob's Reliability Project, a podcast for maintenance and reliability people to better themselves both at home and at work. Now let's get rolling. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Rob's Reliability Project. I'm Rob Kalvaroski. This week is a, the second part of a webinar that I did with Surf Roundtables out of Australia. If you missed week one, go back to last week's podcast and listen to it. Otherwise, you're going to be missing out on some content. This one has a another, again, another trigger warning on this one. We're talking about mental health. We're talking about depression. We're talking about anxiety. So definitely just be wary. And if you're struggling yourself, Google your local help hotline. Just do that. I won't give out any because we're a global audience, so it's hard for me to give out the right one. So definitely Google that just in case you need it and have your own support system around you. Really appreciate you guys listening. If you haven't yet, subscribe to Rob's Reliability Project on your favorite podcast platform and go to robsreliability.com and sign up for the weekly newsletter. I've been putting out some new stuff on new content lately, and I hope you guys are really enjoying that. Thanks for listening, and here's part two of the Surf Roundtables webinar. Um, just a question that's come up, uh, can you define mental illness? Uh, and I've heard about depression, but can I be mentally ill without even knowing it? What are the signs? You can. Um... Again, defining mental illness is like trying to define physical illness. There are many different aspects to it. The main ones that people talk about are depression and anxiety. Those are the main ones that uh, men present with. Um, And again, you can go into the symptoms of each. But can you have a mental illness and not know it? Well, yeah, you can. You actually can. Um, Again, if I lack sort of, and, and males are almost taught this, as we mentioned earlier, um, that emotional awareness, that self awareness. I can recognise maybe in vague terms that I don't feel okay, but I might not be able to pinpoint that as, you know, anxiety or depression. And again, it's for me, and and I don't like to sort of um, look at the negative side of mental mental health. Um, I view it as the same type of continuum as physical health. If I don't feel okay here, if I'm feeling flat down um, and so forth, I want to check that out too. Uh, when I'm physically unwell, I don't know what that's about. <laughs> I don't know if I got, I'm not a doctor. I don't know if I've got mumps or flu or, you know, just a bit hungover. Um, equally, if I'm not okay here, if I'm spinning in my wheels, I feel flat, I feel down, different to normal. For me, check it out. Just go okay. check it out. First point of call, go to a GP. You don't have to go straight to a psychiatrist. In fact, you're better off not. Go to your GP. And so forth. Let them actually start helping you to understand what it is. Don't go self-diagnosing. Doctor Google does not know all. Okay, we've got a number of comments uh, that I'll just um, pick from. Uh, I won't get them all because we're all <coughs> conscious now of time. Uh, the Black Dog Institute has an app, uh, Headgear, that's aimed at blue-collar people. Uh, so thank you, Kevin, for that one. Uh, I think it's Ian uh, said thank you. I love this topic. I think it really needs to be talked about more and good on you for all doing this. Every time it's talked about, help someone more. Thank you. Um, what a brilliant idea. Reaching out is the hardest part. Trucking industry is about to launch a program later this year called 
healthy heads in trucks and sheds, which I think is another Fantastic. great, um, great, that's uh, a great initiative. The um, transport industry, um, people spending a lot of time in trucks, trains, buses, planes, I think we mentioned earlier, Greg. Um, so thanks for the feedback and all the comments. Uh, Airline Pilots Association New Zealand, PAN, Air Assistance Network. So there's some uh, people are sharing some uh, places that can help. Uh, period between medication is terrible. Uh, can be. Uh, character, not just competence. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Supervisors tell me that he's never had depression, so he can't help. Uh, so that's interesting. Yeah, you, you. Um, it's Abdic abdicating, why people, abdicating your humanness. Yeah, yeah, probably people don't talk up because they, if they don't have the trust or the relationship to think that they'll get a proper yeah. response uh, or get ridiculed. Um, yeah. Definitely seeing a shift now from CEO to emerging leaders. Fantastic. Thanks. Yeah. Kel? Kelly? I just put that in there, uh, that little uh, uh, link there to form today. Rob Stevenson, who's in the UK, came up with this idea of doing a form score. Uh, and he puts it out of out of 10 going where's my mental health today how do i feel yeah, um, yeah, and it's a yeah. really good way of going you, you're not telling people about what's going on for you you're not delving into anything that you don't want to reveal you're just saying this is where i am and it yeah, changes I've seen, how people i've seen um uh, someone shared it on linkedin a while ago i like with a grid of 16 boxes and it had all the different emotions of where they where they are from extremes to corners and and uh, they would have start their meeting by putting their face in the appropriate sector which I thought was interesting. Uh, I've got a comment here from Jetha, Jetha Pura um, from Vadiv, uh, who said, Jeff, please feel free to share the Let's Talk link. So Jetha runs a Let's Talk um, group and uh, with the attendees, it's, he's got the link in there and we're happy to share that. Thanks, Jetha. Uh, so from Tom, policy can even be intimidating. Some some might feel they're forced to speak up and therefore fake it. So you can't actually force people into sharing information and personal information. Nor should you. Yeah. Nor should you, yeah. Uh, in the introduction, Clive said human reaction came late and always afterwards. May I, uh, may I say most corrective actions are about mitigating the consequence of unwell mental health instead of avoiding reaching this stage and putting necessarily defense as well ahead. Thanks, Mustafa. A wonderful micro skill website um, created during the pandemic and still growing, maintaining wellness, maintaining mentalfitness.com. Have a look at that. Are you okay? Yeah, mate. <laughs> yeah, mate. <laughs> That's the danger. Uh, yeah. Okay, look, I might leave it, leave it there for a little bit. We've got uh, more comments to get through. But uh, what I might do is now is jump in back into this minty.com a minute and we'll get through some more of these just so we can keep um, putting on with the discussion. So I'll open up the next one. So let's consider the workplace. I think we've talked about some of this stuff. Okay, interesting. We're seeing some uh, some interesting curves there with um, extremes at one end and the other. So yeah. they're just not a thing. Yeah. Guys, what do you think about that? Just not a thing and closet talk only. Yeah, so back to Rob's question for um, are things changing? That would indicate maybe not as fast as we'd like, hey? It's still... Yeah, I'd agree. It's um, still quite low. Yep. 
I mean, just not a thing. In other words, we don't talk about it at all, right? <laughs> that, that's I, I, I intended that to be, we just don't even acknowledge it, that it exists. Yeah. Yeah. And the other one is closet talk. Well, you can talk about it, but you dare not. Yeah. Which suggests um, there's a lack of psychological safety. There's still some mistrust yes. around that. Yes. Some good I think, I, think I see that too. a lot, Clive, to be honest, is, is like at some of the larger employers I worked at, it's like they talk about it because I'm sure they've read it in a book or they, you know, they, they've seen it somewhere as part of this leadership stuff. And yet it's very much, they haven't taught leaders how to have those conversations. And they also haven't created that psychological safety where you're right. able to actually speak mm -hmm. up or you feel yeah. comfortable speaking up with the leader. And so, you know, they, like I get emails since, since COVID started, I got emails that said like, you know, we wanted to talk about mental health because we acknowledge that it's stressful time for you, but yet the conversations aren't happening in any, happening in any meaningful way, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, to be fair, I think it could be quite terrifying for some old school male leaders, um, you know, as we roll out programs like Are You OK? And, and try to build psychological safety. What if you ask Are You OK? And somebody says no. I think that terrifies a lot of guys. Now what? You know? um, and again, we, we need to be very careful with that and mindful of that, that. That doesn't mean all of a sudden all our leaders have got to become counsellors and therapists. That's, that's not what it's about. And if somebody says, yeah, I'm not okay, it doesn't mean you have to solve all their problems. It just means, great, now they're opening up. Thank them for that. Acknowledge their courage in doing that. Um, let them know that you are there for them if they ever want to have a chat about this and let them know you, that there are resources available. You don't have to fix everything. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I think you're right, Rob. I think some leaders just, they're scared. Well, I, you know, we've, we train a lot of um, new leaders, uh, people who are emerging into leadership roles and we've run courses on it for years, but um, one of the things we find and I've found throughout my career is that particularly trades and production people, they get taken the best doers, off the shop floor, the most capable people get taken out of there, put into a leadership role with no training or development. So we're expecting these people to morph into a leader and be emotionally aware of how to, how to actually lead people and support people. Yeah. And it just doesn't happen. So I think you know, to your point, Clive, I think it could be uh, the, the trigger of just, just knowing enough without being a counselor or any of that stuff, but just yeah. knowing enough to ask a, an in, a, a real question and say, okay, well, let's, how about how would you feel if we get try and get some help, and uh, yeah. and and uh, let them be aware of the support systems that are available, and it might be a conduit to then get HR or, or senior management involved to to make that happen. So, so I think Spot we've on, got to we've got to cut some slack for people that you don't you know being a leader of any level doesn't mean doesn't make you a psychologist or. A, no, and let's be fair to our supervisors. As you say, Jeff, anybody who's worked in mining, I think oil and gas construction too, would know that a guy was elevated to a supervisor role, not because of his people skills. It was because he was a great operator, right? And then we just assume that this, this new leader will, you know, have the people skills to run a good toolbox talk or a start a shift meeting or deal with those challenges. Yeah. Be fair. Give them the skills they need to be able to do that. You know, I can see Rob grinning his head off there because uh, you know <laughs> he's in the same sort of fields I am. Yeah. And I've seen the best, most capable um, tradespeople in, you know, like pure craftsmen uh, get taken out of there and put in, say, a maintenance planner role or a supervisor role, and they're like a fish out of water, honestly. So you've weakened both levels and you've actually taken your most 
your most capable tradesperson away from the shop floor. So um, yeah, buyer beware. It's sometimes the person who's the most frustrated on the shop floor may actually have the best leadership skills. You Absolutely. Just put them in the right place. I've had a very um, recent conversation around that as well, Jeff, with uh, a, a, a long time uh, contact, I suppose, uh, but uh, who got hold of me at the beginning of this week to ask me to come down and speak to their team. The, in, in the conversation around what they would like and how I could best support them, we started talking about the element of vulnerability. And he, we talked about that process of being promoted. And once you're in that role, suddenly you have all of this uh, leadership responsibility, but you don't necessarily have the skills that you're able to uh, then deal from a psychological standpoint with uh, your reports. So we were talking about the element of, sometimes it's, uh, there's a floodgate open when you're able to talk about your own issues and so forth. And he, and he shared with me that that's exactly what had happened for him. He got to a point where he couldn't, uh, uh, he found it very difficult to cope and shared that with, uh, with his team. And the difference for him and his, and his group was palpable. So he understands implicitly the power that we have in terms of talking about mental health. And hence, I'll be heading down to Wellington at the end of next week um, to talk to his team. Small teams, only 12 people. Yeah but it's really important. Outstanding. Well, enjoy mate. the drive. Outstanding. Yeah. <laughs> just, Greg, just on that, um, and going back to Rob being a role model in this too, is one of the things we do when we're building psychological safety in a company is we get leaders to share their stories. They're yeah. Literally their life journey. And again, at work, you're not going to like everybody or whatever. But once you understand their story, where they've come from, even the things you put, say you don't like about them start to make sense a little bit and what we've noticed is the more people share their own stories exactly what you're pointing to here the easier it becomes for other people to share their own stories and before you know it trust psychological safety goes through the roof it's just such a powerful thing to do but it takes that initial courage people like rob and so forth to do that in the first place okay so one of the comments here is uh unfortunately it's not a just not just old school management i've had a bad experience with someone who was younger than me as a supervisor. So, um, you know, we're all getting older and uh, naturally some people are going to go into leadership roles. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we're not necessarily in the same generation or mindset. Or yeah, can I, that's true. Can I just say on that, when I say old school, I'm not necessarily talking about age. Um, I'm talking about old methodologies, um, believing the stick is the way to lead. Um, you know, lead through sticks and carrots and yeah, it's not about age. Young people can do that too. Okay, someone's pointed out um, Patrick Lencioni's uh, latest book, Motive. Um, the Motive is a wonderful resource for leaders and uh, leaders who maybe uh, chose an unsuitable path. So he's um, renowned, mm. quite renowned. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, Next Generation Safety Leadership from Compliance to Care. Um, so that's my book. Clive. Yep. Yeah, that is, again, how organisations can build psychological safety. I did put another one in before that. Um, thoroughly recommended reading Amy Edmondson's The Fearless Organisation. Um, and again, that's probably the Bible, as it were, in terms of organisations wanting to create psychological safety. It's a must read. If that's part of your remit is, as a leader is to start building psychological safety, that book is, is a must read. Can you just chuck that into the chat there, Clive, please? I did actually. I, oh, you did already? Oh, lovely. Yeah. Yep. Um, and, have, oh, um, there it is. It's just up the list a little bit. Yeah. And there's a comment uh, from Martin about more to do to move people from technically to emotional competence. Yeah. 
and that is not in any way to, um, of course, put technical skills down. We need those. But there was a recent study out from the ACRE framework that I wrote about at the back of the book, and that is, I think it was 98% of the panellists, that, that is 98 health and safety leaders, they actually viewed non-technical skills as the most important for leaders, non-technical skills, and that's the emotional intelligence stuff. I mean, I think, honestly, that's backed up by industry. Like, just speaking from maintenance and reliability perspective, like, the further I've gone in industry and the more I talk to different plants, it's not the technical skills that we don't have. Like, we have, I have books about root cause analysis. I have books about RCM. I have, like, people, you know, across the world, the, the knowledge is obvious. It's just people aren't executing the jobs to the best of their abilities. And the reason they're, they're not able to do that is basically it's all the people stuff. It's the psychological safety. It's their emotional well-being. It's the fact that they're managed by fear. It's all these things that are so, I'm sure like we all know it's obvious, but yet we still, we still promote these people and we still send them to, yeah. we don't train you know, leaders and we, we just fall really short, like really short. Yeah, I agree. Um, I've got another question here from Andre. I think he's stalking you, Rob. He, well, he, he, he works with me, so. <laughs> Is that um, the guy from Ottawa? No, he's in Edmonton with me. <laughs> would you say that developing emotional intelligence skills helps to improve mental illness impact as I know myself better? I, well, from my personal experience, so I'll tell you um, basically – so I've gone down this road with respect to, you know, what Clive you've talked about and Jeff you've talked about as well is, is I actually am an empath and I didn't know that until about seven months ago. Yeah. Yeah. I struggled with anxiety my entire life and I didn't know because I basically boxed in all my emotions and I shut everything down since I was a kid and really just did it to protect myself, did it to because you had to feel manly, you had to look manly, you, you weren't allowed to show how much things impacted you. And really that's been, my emotional awareness has only really opened up since I've started putting in the work. And I think that's, I mean, that's where you've seen me personally make this huge leap in the last six months is it's all come from that. It's all put me on this, this mission to, to spread this word and to talk about it more and to really push like this new style leadership in the world and really just get out here and, and help people. Yep. Brilliant. Uh, I can't Greg? completely concur actually on the, on the back of that, Rob, um, as you were speaking, I was thinking of the, you know, you, you think about your whole life about how you roll through life. Uh, and what struck me is in terms of relationships for me, uh, I would have these very short two week, three week relationships um, multiple times and always, always finish them in some way for some completely absurd reason. Like, you know, she breathes, she breathes funny um, or, or something like that. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and over many years, I realized uh, it dawned on me that, that uh, it can't all be their issue. There's only one continuing <laughs> thing that's happening here and it seems to be that i might actually be the problem here <laughs> so it was that, that sudden realized it was a long time realization 
And from that point, it was then trying to work on myself and go, so if the problem exists here, what do I need to do? If, if I was going to solve a problem anywhere else, you'd research it, you'd find it, you'd find it, and you'd do it quickly. But in terms of humanness, it was for me to go, ah, now it's time for me to look at me. So it was a process of you know, counseling, uh, self-help books, finding various different ways and things that suited me. And there was one little technique that's really challenging. It was very challenging for me that uh, dealt with how I felt about myself in, in, in self-love. And so I came across this as an idea, which was using a mirror technique and actually looking at yourself. Cause I used to use mirrors in a very, very dark way. Uh, generally drunk in the middle of the night, somewhere in the early hours of the morning, staring at myself in the mirror. And the things I was saying to myself were things I would never dream of saying to anyone in my, in, in my life. And so this process was to change that by actually using a mirror and looking at myself in the eyes. And this can be very challenging for particularly for, for us as men and to actually say and mean it, I love you. And to do that by, and actually maintaining eye contact with yourself to do that. Very, very strange to begin with, but it completely changed how I viewed myself in those moments. And I still do, I can still catch myself in a mirror now, give myself a little wink and go, I love you. You're all right. I need, I need to start doing that, Greg. I like yeah, that. It's a, it's a, it feels completely weird to begin with uh, and, can be, and can be really challenging. But the effect is, who are you? And, why, and be kind to you. And you pick up on a, a really strong psychological point there, Greg, as well, in the self-talk we use. You know? And I loved your point before, and that is the things I'm telling myself about myself. Would I actually say that to my friend? Yeah. You know, would, would I actually say that to do one? No, you wouldn't. So how do you think on earth it's okay for you to say that about you? If you'd never say those things to somebody else, why is it okay to say it to you? And once, and I think this is where, again, that awareness, that self-awareness comes in. When we become aware of how we talk to ourselves, become conscious of that. Because often we do that totally subconsciously. But the self-talk's still there in the background. I'm hopeless. I can't do this. It'll never improve. All of those what we call in rehab, stinking thinking, <laughs> stinking <laughs> thinking. If you're conscious of it, you can do something about it and you can actually start to change that. Um, yeah. So to, it's, a point, it's a really to a point you made earlier, Clive, about we all have some mental health going on in, as, an, as an individual human being. I, I, I have this vision of a denial doorway that we either open and go through to a better life like Rob has yeah. obviously done and I've done, I've done similar in my journey. Uh, I'm still you, standing you, in the doorway, Jeff. You just, you just have to, <laughs> you just have to take it on and and go through and yeah. and um, at least try and explore. You think I'm still sitting in the doorway, Rob? Yeah. yeah. I, think, I think Rob's. I think Rob's probably gone through. Maybe it's got a porch, Rob. But yeah, I think you're through the door. <laughs> I go through <laughs> and back almost every day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, let's get let's get back into this minty.com. I mean, I want to get through these while we can. So, some other challenges that we've that we face in this world uh, now. Come on, stock market's back up. Financial pressure's gone now. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> That's I heard the China on. market's going crazy too. So you guys are, are you guys invested in that or what? Yeah, substantially. All right. 
Let's make sense of this. Yeah, COVID's up the front, huh? Yep, so COVID's pretty high. Climate change has dropped off a bit because... Uh, yeah. Um, it's not. It's it's not as right now as everything else. It's not it's as right immediate, now, Rob. That's right. It's less it's not immediate as right now in your world. face, is it? <laughs> yeah. So isolation from colleagues is that financial pressure? I mean, think goes with hand in hand with the COVID uh, yeah. situation. Sure. All of the above. Okay. Any comments on that before we move on? Yeah, no, no surprises there. I think climate change certainly dropped back because it's not immediate. COVID-19 is immediate, along with the financial pressure. Yep. Okay, and uh, one about do you know your local support services, which I thought was uh, worthwhile. Okay. Okay, so there's a, there's a limited knowledge of these, of even what's available, it seems. Yeah. So, um, Clive, you're in that space more than any of us. What's, the, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I think it's, um, as it's, many people are aware of, they hear about them, maybe TV ads and so forth. That doesn't mean they know the phone number or anything like that. I think most people are familiar. But at least there are services out there, um, maybe not by name and so forth. But again, there are some great resources out there. And actually, when I knew I was coming on here, I just refreshed uh, the local ones here in Australia. And I noticed there's, there's men-specific ones, male-specific ones, that I actually didn't know, or uh, yep. besides are you okay and, and so forth, but there's, um, there's suicide callback hotlines and there's, there's, there's a bunch of new ones. It does serve us all well, not just for our own mental health and support, but, but reaching out to other people and being able to give them resources. It does pay to actually know what they are. They're out there. I can't speak for, for Canada and New Zealand, but I'm sure as similar democracies, they're, they're out there. Yeah, we have one specific um, uh, number for the New Zealand Telehealth Service. Uh, which is a 1737 uh, and that number can be texted or it can be called um, from a mobile phone and it gives you access to a uh, professional trained counsellor immediately um, so it's a, uh, a great national resource and then of course then there's a, a wide range of other resources as well but that's a really good one very simple number to remember as well 1737 I'm going to chuck that in the chat too thank you okay great I'm going to bring up that slide that you sent me through um, Okay. Yeah, and and uh, then people can uh, can see it on their on their device um, and screen. So there's some of the some of the support networks in Australia, but uh, um, it'd be worthwhile finding out for yourself um, and searching around what else is on. Because sometimes these things can be um, a bit of a secret society and. Uh, getting them out there and letting people be aware of that they even exist and uh, and try different ones and some might work better than others for people but um, yeah. we'll share that around anyway if afterwards yeah, and, be good. Uh, and, and get that out there. So um, I'm delighted with how the discussion is going. I, I note that um, Gwendolyn Galsworth has joined us uh, some time ago from America so um, I'm, still, I'm delighted to have her. Gwen is uh, number one in the world for visual management, visual thinking. Um, some might have heard of her before. Um, so there's um, someone's put the crisis text line from Canada wide. Is that you from, from you, Rob? <laughs> yeah, fantastic. Right. Uh, Greg's put in the New Zealand number. Okay, so Try a few more in shortly as well. Yeah, so let's get um, let's get some. Thoughts on from people in the in the attendees. 
Um, have you had dealings with some of these um, um, centres or what have you found effective? Let's get some chat going. I was going to ask, I was going to actually ask the panel because I've, I've often Googled them and I've never had the, the courage to click send or to, to call them. Um, I will say I have used um, uh, suicide helplines, um, particularly Lifeline. And uh, in a moment of absolute crisis, this is a, uh, an absolutely phenomenal resource. You're speaking with somebody who's non-judgmental, who's simply there to be an ear at a time when you absolutely need that ear. I'd say this when I'm speaking about this and say there is no shame in calling a suicide helpline or a mental health helpline at all. And I, you know, mm. say, you know, I've done it. I've done it on a number of occasions, and they are incredibly valuable. Mm -hmm. I'll admit to being in Rob's category. I've uh, searched them and um, looked them and looked up the websites, but I haven't actually contacted any. I I do know about Lifeline's training. I know the coaching that there are volunteers, and they are volunteers go through, and they're really solid. Lifeline is an absolutely brilliant organisation here in Australia, and. Um, yeah, that'd be my first port of call, I think. So Clive, like maybe you can help help me out a little bit just in terms of understanding, like like oftentimes I've had conversations with EAP therapists and they've always tried to go down this route of CBT where basically they're like, oh, you think about killing yourself, just think about something else. And for me, I've always found that ridiculous and yeah. ineffective in, in every way. Like literally one, not maybe two months ago said to me, like, when you're going to bed and you think about killing yourself, just say like, oh, that's not for right now, that that's for tomorrow or something like and it, it, to me, I just, I don't know what to do with that. Yeah. And, and so I just like, if yeah. I was going to call one of these lines, are they going to give me something like that? Or are they going to like help me? How are they going to help me? Well, number one, Rob, you've had a bad trot of, uh, <laughs> of, of uh, professional help over there. Maybe I'm just unlucky. Please. I don't know. <laughs> no, please don't generalize. But let me go to EAP first because you, you know, I've, I've worked with EAP providers a little bit over here. In fact, that's how I got into mining was through that work. Um, sadly, EAP providers, they're paid by the companies and so forth. Uh, just like uh, the government here, they will give somebody who, say, got depression or anxiety, um, I think it's, I forget the exact number now, don't quote me, it's about eight sessions, limited to eight sessions that you can actually get through the Medicare system. Yeah. And, hey, you know, some, some challenges take a little bit more than eight one-hour sessions. Um, you know, EAP providers, they might have 60 minutes with a client, you know, to talk through depression. They will go then, um, and to, to a degree, it's not completely their issue. They will go to um, what we'd call sort of solution-focused therapies, CBT, to fix the thinking. I hope nobody would ever say what they said to you there again. Um, but it should never just be that. That's not enough. Um, they should be instantly referring you elsewhere so that you can have ongoing help, ongoing assistance. The company needs to get in behind that too. Um, what, I, what I learned when I was, I learned this through working in the addictions because at uni, we, you know, we cover CBT, we cover all the various modalities. And I said earlier that students fight over which would be the best for this. Most um, astute, um, I think psychologists 
use what we call an eclectic approach. That is, we don't just use CBT, we don't just use psychodynamic theory, we don't just use, we actually look at a client and, and what's going on and we actually use what is most likely to, you know, to, to do the best. And I think, um, you know, things like CBT sometimes simply don't touch the science. Right? You really have to, first up, you need to listen aggressively. You really need to be absolutely outstanding listeners so that you can really, before you go into actually wand waving, my experience tells me if you listen long enough and you support hard enough and you build trust enough, usually the client themselves know exactly what they need. Now, I'm not saying the client has to have all the solutions, but you're not going to get to that by just saying, ah, oh, you're thinking wrong. You need to change your thinking. That's, that's not going to do any good at all. And again, it might just be we need sort of good referral networks that people have used, both individual counsellors and collective organisations are helpful. We need actually to find out ones that are going to work for us. It's that relationship, Rob, that's going to do the good. So, Rob, if I, if I come to you asking for someone to talk to, can you put me onto someone to talk to? Can you push me over to Greg or Clive? <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> 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 um, okay, Gwen, Gwen has said, uh, any guidance on approaching people at work who are seemingly in need of help but don't recognise it? Where is the boundary? Where is the boundary? All right. So, so you, you think you think someone's in trouble and, and needs help. How do you go? Again, I mentioned before, I've always found authenticity the key. Don't assume just because you, you're picking up on something that there is a problem, but equally, if you if you pick up, if you sense something, don't just, you know, just, just I, I actually have found the authenticity the biggest go here, and this is common language for me. Um, actually, I was talking with Tanya, my partner today, a friend of ours who just seemed different to usual um, a couple of days ago, and it was just, just quietly, you don't do this in front of people, of course, this is where the boundaries come in, you, you, you're respectful with people's space, but just quietly pull them aside and say, look, for me, own your words. Um, to me, I just get a sense that you're not your usual self. Uh, because of that, I just wanted to check in. And, you know, where are you right now? Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. That's not breaching any boundaries at all. People still have the wherewithal to actually say, no, no, I'm fine. Or, well, actually, yes, and so forth. So just authentic language, own your words. You know, I get a sense that some, something is, is happening. Can you let me know if I'm off base and so forth? Yep. Just authentic uh, language. Yep, thanks, Clive. Um, another one said um, men's groups are also effective. Now, I, I actually started a men's group with someone else in Melbourne years ago, and it was I found it very effective because it was a it was a, a dad's support group for dads with um, disabled children. And it was very effective early on until it morphed into the, the typical Australian pizzas and beer night and once it got to that, that point good. <laughs> once it got to that point I, I was out because it just wasn't doing anything for me yeah. and I just uh, I'm, I'm here to try and uh, understand where, where I'm at and what's happening to my life and you just want to talk about the footy and get pissed uh, yeah. so it wasn't for me at all so what's uh, anybody else had any experience with uh, support groups well I, I got invited to um, to join in with a means group here in my local uh, region in uh, Whangaparoa in Auckland, uh, but the invitation uh, began with uh, and and bring over your favourite beer, and it was kind of like okay, so it's 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 
I didn't know exactly what it was. I decided not to join it in, but um, my intention now is to actually create my own uh, uh, men's group here. Um, so I think it's a really valuable thing. It's because it really is. It's like this. This is what a wonderful conversation this is. I've got to say, I'm I'm, I'm enjoying this immensely. Mm-hmm. So I hope the audience is. I, I got to say, you know, Jeff and Greg, like when you're talking about, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna go in and tell you another bad experience. <laughs> <laughs> But you know, I'm like, going to give you a referral list later, Rob. You're, you're right. Like this is this is honestly what I would have wanted and would have would have needed yeah. and used, and and it's like this is the the type like we have rapport, we we have common experience, we have all this stuff, and I went to uh, like I went to a, I was referred when I went to the hospital for depression probably about eight years ago, and I went to a support group and it was led by two two women who were young social workers and it was me i was about 23 maybe 24 there was three women in their 40s and these two women who were leading the class and we went around the room and basically the other three or four people who were there they couldn't even get out of bed in the morning that that's where their depression was and i was probably i had gone full high achiever mode and I was running 20 kilometers. I was training probably two to four hours per day and just drinking basically as much as I could. And I left in after about 45 minutes in that meeting. And I was like, I couldn't see myself getting any value from that. We were just, our shared experience was so different that it just was like unbelievable for me to even sit in the room. And that was actually what, when I went to my psychiatrist the next morning, he was the one who said to me, like, you're not depressed enough because I said, like, how can these people not get out of bed? Like, I couldn't understand that. And yet that's where that came from. So they're all, it's, it's just a wonderful story. Like you have to find, you you really have to find the people that fit for you. And for me, the person that's really helped with me, like she's another high achiever, and and it's really like the after the first session with her it was just like holy crap this is the person for me yeah, because yeah. we're so similar i think it's a sense of belonging in a, in a in a group that's um important so greg i hope you have uh, good success with that yeah me it's too really important yeah. It's yeah, I, I was looking at a group for this sort of discussion and it never came so, uh, and we, we can do this weekly craving. if you want, Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I think, I think maybe we could do it monthly or something. I don't know, but uh, maybe we, we should talk about that monthly. after. Um, uh, so uh, some other comments. Um, Tom said, I've spoken to Beyond Blue here in Australia a fair few times. I find it easier to chat on a website than in person. And sometimes that's another, another arm's length uh, thing like we were talking before, I guess. Any comments? Oh, you, something it works from, go with it yeah, but something, yeah something that struck me with that is we're conditioned in terms of social media right we we jump on we type away we we talk about things that are going on for us um so that's a, a really good and easy conduit to get in uh but on the same note i had a con a contact this morning saying uh we are in the middle of a we're still in the middle of this crisis Right, right, with COVID, and there's so many people who whose businesses have effectively ended, um, particularly in my game in the, in the conference and events space. 
Um, so, you know, all, every bit of my business has disappeared completely. But what we tend to do is we tend to put online our, um, what we want the world to see. We want the world to see we're successful. We want, to see, we want people to see that we're doing well and that everything's going great for us. And when, when the reality could be completely different. Um, and I know that's not speaking to what we we're just talking about here, Jeff, but it was just a comment I wanted to make uh, yep. that it's so much better to be real. What's actually happening? I think it's this. Yeah, I think yeah. I would. I would uh, like that to the Easter egg. It's a nice and shiny, and what you want to see on the outside, mm. but what's on the inside is not, nothing like it. Yeah. Um, other yeah. comments. Uh, Neil said, "My wife has been trained as a lifeline counsellor." Um, uh, from someone else, I found MIC mates in const to be really good. I became a connector on the site, and they're uh, they're really helpful. I don't know MIC. Does anybody know MIC? Mates in construction. Yep. Okay. Um, where to get help? Uh, the numbers there again. Thank you. Oh wow, lots of um, lots of information there in the chat line. So hopefully we'll get the chat out to everyone. In Queensland, Australia, there's also uh, dvconnect.org um, men's line, which is available for men on either side of a DV relationship. Um, that's, uh, uh, so I think this was uh, to your uh, discussion earlier, Clive. That's not uncommon, Clive. I've been to a few various uh, here in Adelaide and met similar responses to Rob. Five sessions and five more available if you really um, need help. Yeah, I'm not uh, alone. Veterans, in, <laughs> veterans in Australia can reach out to Open Arms um, with the numbers there. Uh, Rob, you're making Edmonton medical services look bad. <laughs> well, they weren't all yeah. in Edmonton, so. You might not know who that's from. <laughs> uh, there is no boundary. Uh, spot on, Clive. Listen, listen, listen. Acknowledge, build trust, and get to the bottom of the problem. Aggressively, aggressive listening is a really good term. Uh, one of my uh, lecture, best lecturers I ever had said, "We have two ears and one mouth for a reason. Use them in uh, proportion." Uh, so great, Clive. Are you okay? As some as a great resource and learning. And having the real discussions is important. Ah, someone actually said two ears, one mouth. It wasn't me, it was Neil. Uh, thanks for the time and conversation, guys. It's really valuable. Um, being your authentic self and mindful to see telltale signs is just asking to explain what you see, hear, sense, and feel. As a man uncomfortable around people drinking, that's something that makes it hard to speak with other men. They are socially expected in Australia to drink lots. Yeah. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's a real social culture that's developed here. And, you know, we've got, we've talked about alcohol a lot, but we haven't talked about drugs. We have um, one of the biggest ice ec epidemics in the world here. So, um, you know, the construction industry is rough. The transport industry is rough. Um, and we've got uh, major problems that are also isolating people. Got a really uh, uh, progressive construction company, a contracting firm down in Wellington, who have regular alcohol-free Friday nights, um, and it came round because the, uh, the 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 main guy there had said he's just I'm I'm sick of of all of my guys drinking and fighting, and then coming to work on a Monday, 
absolutely, uh, you know, not fit for work. And so he decided he would, he would put these together where he would invite the families and bring the kids in so that everybody could actually come on a Friday night and enjoy this zero alcohol space. I think that's, you know, as an initiative in a blokey matey culture is mm. completely outside the norm. And, the, and I, I love what he's doing. It's an organization called multi-civil contracting in Wellington. Just oh, Cody Pepper is, is the guy's name. Phenomenal. Love it. Yeah. Yep. Fantastic. Thanks, Greg. Um, someone said that it would be, it would be great to join a monthly chat like this so much value personally and for the role I have. And uh, it's from Kevin. Thanks. Kevin. Early names here. Thank you for that, Kevin. I noticed Tanya is there too. Tanya Hewitt. Um, the first stage of Timothy Clark's four stages uh, of psychological safety is inclusion. This, um, I can't remember the name of it. Maybe Tanya can help me, but um, Timothy Clark's got a wonderful book out also about psychological safety. Tanya, if you know the name of that book off the top of your head, could you type it in? Thank you for that. And uh, Gwen's put um, a comment there, a remarkable conversation, extraordinary that this is happening. It's so, so needed. Um, can we send the message to the world that this is available? Now, please do. Um, <laughs> do that we are best. not alone <laughs> and that we can help each other. Very moving, so beautiful. Thank you. Thanks, Gwen. Um, yeah. uh, good call, Greg. So, all right, so we've got about 10 minutes left on the scheduled time. So I'm happy to um, maybe we have a, a, Thank you, a bit or, or just, um, or just um, some final points that we'd like to share with the, with the attendees. Yeah, like actually, I I'd like to uh, just share some some things that I use specifically from a resilience standpoint, um, which uh, which I found uh, particularly valuable for me, and uh, which I adhere to pretty religiously. Um, so I just sort of throw these up here um, to have a quick look and a swiftly look through. Uh, first, we talked about alcohol, um, and the same would apply from a, a drugs perspective. Um, alcohol is certainly is not a performance enhancer in any way and it, and i, I recognize it's a significant um factor it's depressive it. yeah absolutely and so it's in a, in a lot of the challenges that i've had so that's one thing that I, I have cut out um from my life uh to i say to almost zero so i might have one in a, maybe in a every couple of months i might have uh, a cocktail with my wife but aside from that it just doesn't factor anymore which is a very very uh, uh healthy thing from my perspective talk about exercise rob um and that's one of the one of the go-tos for me uh at least 30 minutes uh, of exercise at least three times a week and it's that wonderful sense of, of micro goals achieving goals along the way as well as the sense of endorphin um, kicking in which really works well um for me uh and sometimes it's a challenge you talk about that you know people not being able to get up i'm one of those people who found it really challenging to get not to get up you know to get out of bed while I was in a depressive state. And so I would break it down into micro goals. It would be open your eyes. That's all you've got to do. Turn your head. That's all you've got to do. Put your legs outside the bed. That's all you've got to do. And each time I'm just re making those incremental changes, which works uh, really well. Uh, nutrition, maintaining a good nutritional balance. Again, you've just got to uh, do everything, everything in moderation. Sleep is a really critical um, part of this as well. Aim for that eight hours of sleep a night. And of course, if you are coupling alcohol with sleep, one glass of alcohol will ruin half a night's sleep. That's one, one unit. So you have to be uh, fairly uh, uh, careful with that. And the, uh, the, the fifth thing is gratitude. What are you grateful for? 
and actually focusing externally on something else. And you can't be worried about yourself when you're actually thinking about what, what, what you're grateful for in your life. And it could be something, something small. I'm grateful that my heart's still beating. I'm grateful that, the, that it's not raining today, but something specific that you can be grateful for. It takes the focus outside of yourself. So those are just a few little things that I use on a regular basis, and they seem to be um, pretty effective for me. I'm not saying they will be specifically effective for anyone else, but they're a really good start and a good way to nice uh, one, go one direction. Thanks, Greg. Nice Sounds like um, some good self-management uh, tips there. Um, what about you guys, Rob, um, Clive? You go, Self-management techniques. How, what, do we, um, what do we do to keep, get ourselves up and going or stop ourselves getting down? Yeah, for me, I mean, I, I have to echo a lot of what, what Greg mentioned there. Um, for me, I think if I'm going to just recommend one or two things, one is just do the self-work because I, I can tell you just from my experience, even, you know, six, seven, eight months ago, I wouldn't be able to even be, I wouldn't even be able to be in this conversation, to be honest. And so I think you have to be able to do the self-work before you can even get to a point where you can talk about what you're grateful for or even see anything to be grateful for. And, and yeah, and so that's basically the first thing is, is do the work and find someone you trust that can help you. And, and that's it. Like other than that, I mean, yeah, <laughs> other than that, that's, the rest of it will shake out, I think. Yep. Yeah. Uh, just echoing both of those. Um, find what works. I think um, give up this pursuit of happiness. <laughs> <laughs> I keep reading about, you know, got to be happy all the time. You're not going to be happy all the time. Um, if, you, if you're chasing that as a goal, you know, it's absurd. Um, have good people around you as best you can. I know that's not always possible. Build support networks because sometimes we do get bogged. We need people to help us out. We're all going to have that to a degree. Um, having a great support network. Try to avoid things that are known to bring people down. That includes alcohol. That includes drugs. Um, men in particular uh, use drugs and alcohol to deal with feelings. <laughs> yeah, that's how we stuff them down, right? We stuff, stuff the feelings down so we don't have to feel them. Because, my God, if we feel them, we might just have to express them and then we'd be weak. And No. Um, I don't know if you've uh, seen the Men's Brain, Women's Brain um, YouTube video. Yeah, it's and, that, and the Men's Brain is, is a whole series of little boxes that we, we put stuff in a box and then we put it away. We don't let it touch any other box. Yeah, and it's look when you look at a man's brain and a woman's brain, the actual chemistry, the actual makeup of them, is they're more the same than different. Yeah, it's what we learn. It's what we learn. Seven first seven years of life, males again, like I said before, we are taught sharing vulnerability is weak. Core belief carries on through our lives. And if I if I was to leave one part and thought two prong attack on this stuff, and that's why I love these forums because we need to get the word out. First attack is let's stop doing that as parents and adults to children. Let's start teaching them instead. It's not weak for men to show feelings. In fact, you know, it, it's not courageous at all to say nothing. Anybody can do that. You want to be strong and brave, show your vulnerability. Here in Australia, that makes you an absolute legend in terms of mm. courage. That's the one prong. The other prong is here and now um, 
please understand that's going to take a while for the generations to come through here and now we need to meet men where they are and frankly men would much sooner deal with facts and feelings right now you don't have to do cbt or any of that not, not all that stuff can do some good use the right language rob has said on numerous times here it's the relationship that has the impact and when you when you match the language when when people know that you get them they they really really listen to you they get you then you can do some good work and so we've got to keep getting better at meeting people where they are men in particular fantastic and uh, just a couple of comments um uh, matt said uh we need to get more people on board and that can reduce the stigma of mental health. Thanks uh, for that, Matt. I agree with you. Um, Chris said, I get up and say five things that I'm grateful for it. Uh, I'm thankful for it at the start of every day. Um, we sit at a table together for dinner and ask our kids for one high moment and one moment Great. from the day. Uh, so uh, there was a question here in the chat about for those of us looking to return to study as adults, uh, wanting to work in, on improving this, are there suggested pathways, especially in Australia? Hmm. Um, my, my authentic response is I'm not sure. Um, it's been a while since I was at uni. Um, ironically, my partner who's just, just left is a careers counsellor and knows all the courses off by heart. Um, I guess, what are the skills we're after here? We're, we're after, um, you know, men's health, we're after men's mental health, we're after communication, we're after listening and so forth. Um, counseling, psychology courses, I'm not really sure, but I could find out for you if you want to uh, get in touch. So maybe, oh, when, but maybe when we're sending out this uh, information, we can include that if you're happy to, if you can manage to find it, Clive. Sure. Um, some, uh, from Tanya, some advice I heard when on a walk and crossing a, stran a stranger, look them in the eye, exchange a pleasantry and truly wish them the very best for the rest of their walk. Um, just uh, sharing positivity, I guess. No, no, but you got to maintain two meter distance, you know? <laughs> yeah. I also think there are some people that if you did that, they'd chase you down the street. But, uh, I think the intent of that is brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. Spread it around. I would do uh, uh, when out running on a morning. So when I'm, when I'm traveling and doing events, I'm generally up about 5.30 and then get out on, out on the road. And I, I make it a specific uh, part of the routine that as I run, I say good morning to every single person that I see um, along the way and, uh, and with varying responses. But I know what I'm, I know that I'm doing it. So that's something that, you know, I'm physically doing as a positive. Yep. All right. Fantastic. Um, look, I'm, I'm quite amazed at how quickly two hours has gone and I've yeah, had too. a dull moment in, in the conversation. Uh, what I would say is um, thank you so much uh, for being part of this, Rob. Um, Clive and Greg, you've you've added so much to it. It's fantastic, and uh, and, and I'll consider you uh, long-term friends now. We haven't known each other that long, but it's been incredible uh, to get to know you and um, and share some experiences with you. And for those who've attended, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. I'll just very briefly bring up the next um, webinar that we've got on, which is uh, different to this one, but um, it's uh, inspiring women in leadership. Uh, which I thought might be worthwhile putting up. And Gwendolyn Galesworth, you'll see up there in the top right-hand corner. Um, yep. Alex Atkins is um, really big in the um, digitization space in mining. Angeline is uh, 
um, really high up in Simplot Australia and, and leading their business forward in product development and other things. Nicole Nader's been uh, project management in the Submarine Corp and now with Quant, now with Boeing. And Pamela Naidu uh, is um, uh, in nuclear science and medicine with ANSTO in, based in Sydney. And Karina Armour is a keynote presenter in, in, in leadership. So I thought I'd bring that up and mention it. Is, it's on the 31st of July, which is um, uh, not that far away, but I'm keeping rolling through um, webinars on a regular basis on Fridays, probably every fortnight or so. But um, in terms of this one, I, I can't believe how incredible it's been. Uh, I thank you again. And I, you know, whether we can make this some sort of um, regular thing. Uh, and we'll see forward, you next I month. Know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Let's, let's talk about it. I think it's been uh, very worthwhile. And anyway, thanks, thanks to everyone for being here. And um, if we can just get some comments on, a, on one key takeaway that you think you might take away from this that can help you in the comments, that would be wonderful before you just head while, out. Just while people are doing that, there's a beautiful quote there that Tanya's put up, discomfort is the price of admission to a meaningful life. <laughs> yep. Yep, well said. So uh, any final comments, guys, before we, before we pull it to a close as people are um, putting these? Uh, the quality in? of our attendees for me, the, the comments, the questions, outstanding. Um, mm. So yeah, it's, it's good to know we can't see these guys, but brilliant responses yeah, I think and it's, it's been, been um it's been a joy to, to do this with you and um thank you very much gentlemen Pleasure. i will concur completely with i really that. appreciate been... it you having me jeff and and great uh, great to have this discussion greg clive i mean really great yeah, yeah thank fantastic you. thank you once again to uh, uh to all of you to rob to clive jeff uh and to all of our attendees as well it's been a yeah. a, a wonderful thing yeah, very cathartic uh, as well, and I'll echo Rob. I think I, I approach the this whole process as going if if I make a difference for one person with what I do, and if we have made a difference for one person with what what we do here today, then we've done something um, profound. And I think we've had a, a much deeper impact than that. So thanks for the opportunity. My pleasure, absolute pleasure. And uh, so for everyone, thank you for your time. Uh, enjoy the rest of your day, Rob. Enjoy the um, maybe you can have some supper before bed. <laughs> yeah but uh, really i really appreciate you uh hanging in there and being with us it's been yeah. uh, amazing i really right. enjoyed listening to you rob i think you're a yeah. um bloody hero legend role model good on you yeah whatever your standing has been in reliability and maintenance before it should be tenfold that now because <laughs> there's so much needed in that space so well done it's credit to you no Clive, I, thanks I, I appreciate it I think I got, there's a question in here, Dave, Dave mentioned, will the recording be sent out? Jeff, I'm not sure what you're doing, but I'll be posting the recording, the audio file on my podcast feed. So if you, if you want it, it probably, it'll, it won't be next week, but the week after uh, yep. Rob's Reliability Project, it'll be posted. So feel free to get it there and share it however you want. Yep. No worries. Okay. All right. Thanks very much, um, Clive. I really appreciate you, uh, your input in, in the fields that you're in. Fantastic and great. Pleasure. Awesome. Just um, any wonder that you're uh, in the top presenters in New Zealand. Uh, oh, your, your genuine thanks, contribution and honesty and openness is fantastic. So thanks once again. I'll pull it to a close now and we'll let everyone head out. Thanks very much. Cool.